BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie. And you guys, we are kicking 2020 off right with this episode today. I'm talking to Shanae Alexander, who is an entrepreneur, lifestyle personality, writer, speaker, and wellness expert based in Brooklyn, New York. Her message is to empower people to be better through positive thinking, active change, and self-love with a lot of laughing and curse words along the beeping way. So a little backstory, Shanae is somebody who I have personally followed on Instagram since I started this account. So in February, that will be four years. Crazy. Shanae did BBG back in the day. And of course, you probably all know that that's how my Instagram account came to fruition. So back then I was following all the girls who were doing it. And there were a couple OGs and Shanae was one of them. So it's been really cool to watch her evolve over the years. That sounds stalkerish, but hey, we all do it. And see how she has kind of developed into this powerhouse and she delivered in person. So this is such a great episode to start the year with because so many of you know and love Shanae as well from following her. And she's just so strong and insightful and she tells it like it is and she's an empowered woman and she empowers other women. You're going to feel empowered after listening to this episode, I hope. So we talk about how she got to where she is today, how getting fired from her first career was actually the best thing that happened, how to leverage our own lows and to use fear as a motivator. We talk about going through hard things and how that actually allows us to empathize and help other people and how struggles are actually what guide our lives. We also talk about her passion for fitness and how she was most unhappy at her quote unquote fittest. And we get into body confidence and how that can come with both positive and negative thoughts. Then we also talk about having a business on Instagram building an audience and being vulnerable with them. And we talk about lavender scented vaginas, but that's not till the very end. So you're going to have to get through the rest of it to find out what the heck we were talking about. So I just so enjoyed talking to Shanae and I went on her podcast as well, which is getting released on the same date that this podcast is released. So make sure you go check out that episode on Press Send, which is Shanae's podcast. And yeah, listen to them both. Um, We kind of build on topics that we were talking about in each other's episodes. So kind of similar to what I did with Liz Moody a few episodes back. Um, 
I kind of did the same thing with Shanae, although her podcast is a little bit different of a format, but we still talk about really important stuff in both of them. So make sure you listen to both. And if you guys enjoy this episode or you just enjoy the podcast in general, please, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Something that just takes a second on your end and it makes a huge difference in supporting the podcast. So I really appreciate you guys. I love this community. I appreciate your support and enjoy the episode. We're on. All right. Okay. So I'm here with Shanae Alexander. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. We were talking earlier about how we both kind of started our Instagrams and the fitness journeys we were on. And we were... we've really been taking it back. <laughs> yeah. We were reminiscing. So you were actually like part of the OG BBG group that I followed when I started. Yeah. So it was like you, Jara was another one yes. who was on the podcast Have a you while met, ago. Yeah, you've met Jara. Have you met her in person? We didn't or meet did in you... person. We did it remotely. Okay. Well, yeah. You guys, guys got to get a get. Together. I know. We also need to have a dog date. So you need to bring yes. your dog and to New York. Bring... She'll bring her dog who hates other dogs. <laughs> and I'll bring my dog who's obsessed with other dogs. It'll yeah. be a it's really a great little meeting. She and I have the same managers too. Oh, so nice. So we have that. Connection. Connect. Yeah. So I want to talk about all of the amazing things that you're doing today and um, talk about how you got here. But let's rewind to start. And can you tell us what you were doing before you got into social media and what you wanted to do? Yes. So I am a I'm here because I've gone through a series of failures. So I think that's kind of life, um, if we're being honest. So I uh, came to New York in 2007, and I was like, I'm going to work in magazines. It was my dream to be the next Anna Wintour. I wanted to be edgy Anna Wintour. Um, and I now the only thing that we have in common is a haircut. Um, and so I was, de- I was like, I'm destined to work in magazines. So I got an internship at Nylon. It was the heyday of Nylon Magazine, and I loved my internship, but I really realized that um, I didn't want anyone's job that was working there, and I found it to feel really um, unfulfilling and kind of unhappy. Like, I just – I felt this sense of unhappiness in that industry, and so I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do? And so I – Looked for a job on Craigslist like any good uh, New Yorker in 2007 did and found an ad to be a marketing coordinator. And so I was like, well, I don't have any experience in this because I've been planning and working in fashion editorial for my whole life, but I'm going to go to the interview. So I did. Uh, The person interviewing me looked at – who was the owner of the company? He looked at my resume and he clearly had never seen it before. And he was like, you don't have any experience for this job. And I was like, you're so right. But I was like, I'm really, really bad at failing. So let me just show you. Give me three months. I said, if if I'm not doing a good job by three months, I'll fire myself and I'll find you someone new. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. The balls on this 21-year-old were huge. I was going to ask, where do you think that came from? Is it just kind of naivete and like being young and kind of arrogant? <laughs> no, I honestly think I've always been really confident. I moved around a ton when I was little. I mean, really my whole life until New York, I moved around every three years. So 
I think there is a certain gumption that comes with having to always be the new kid Mm -hmm. and you always have to reintroduce yourself. You always have to quickly make friends. You always have to kind of be able to speak for yourself, you know? And I think in that moment, I was just like, I got nothing to lose. This is who I am. And so, and I really did believe in myself. Um, I think that's the thing. I really did believe that I could do it and figure it out. And so I did. Um, I ended up getting the job. Stayed there for eight years. I was. I ended up being the marketing director there. Um, was like, you know, one of the top three people at the company. And then one day, my boss pulled me aside um, and said, "You don't belong to. You don't belong here anymore. You need to be an entrepreneur." He's like, "You've always been an entrepreneur, even within these walls." He's like, "I'm going to pay you for two months to go start a company," and. Uh, was pretty much the worst day of my life, probably. Well, one of them, not the worst. So it was the most crushing career day of my life mm-hmm. um, because it felt like I got fired, even though I, someone was doing me a favor by firing me, but I was getting fired in the sense that he was like, I can't pay you what you're worth. There's nowhere for you to go. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And um, I was so afraid of the uncertainty of that moment. And I had never had that. I had always grown up with that level of uncertainty, but in the last eight years, I had been really clinging on to the fact that I had um, had a lot of consistency. Um, then I realized I, I left that lunch crying. I my my last day after that was in two days. He was like, "Let's not drag this along. I'm going to pay you for two months. Just spend two more days getting your things together, and then." And I. Went to a diner. I walked around for two hours in the snow. I went to a diner and sat there and I wrote down all the things that I found important in my life and the things that I wanted to do. And I probably looked like one of those like serial killer notes. Like, you know, the people that like are like like <laughs> writing like murder and they're like notebook. It probably looked like that, uh-huh. but just like about like hopes and dreams. Um, and I just like ate cold scrambled eggs and drank 8,000 8, cups of coffee, like shitty diner coffee. And I was just like, what, what, what am I going to be? What am I going to do? Like, I was just so low. And I was like, well, I, I looked at my paper and what I realized was the thing I loved was people. Um, and I was like, okay, well, one of the things I like to do is plan events. So I was like, I'm going to be an event planner. So I went home and I said either I can apply for jobs and go back to the safety of someone else's dime or I can truly step into being an entrepreneur and start an event planning company. And so I went home and I bought a website and I shabbily built it on Squarespace. And um, I started my event planning company that day. And But two weeks before that, I had actually gone on an informational interview about for a fitness social media job. And I had started an Instagram account just for that interview because I had no experience. And I hadn't gotten, I hadn't even gotten past the phone interview, basically. They were like, you have no experience. And so, but I had continued to post on Instagram because I was finding this little baby community. And I was like, this is cool. I have like 300 people in my life that I don't know that live all over the world. And we talk every day about wellness and fitness. And I thought that was a really cool perk of that really shitty, like, I didn't I didn't make it through a job interview. 
So that was two weeks prior to me getting fired. And so I continued as I was building my event planning company to continue to post on Instagram about wellness and fitness, um, not as an expert, just as a human person that was on a journey with it. And I got to a point years later in like 20, I guess, 17, where I was doing both things and I was starting to make money on Instagram and I was running an event planning company and I was like, shit, I'm... I need to pick one of these things. And so I took a break from event planning and I was like, I'm going to try this social media thing full time. And now um, I have seven people that work with me and I do this full time and um, talk a lot about kind of how to be an empowered person um, in all aspects of life, not just fitness and wellness. So that's, that's, that was the before Okay, so there's that was a there, very long-winded before. No, no, it's amazing, and I think um, having that experience is going to be so helpful for people listening. So there are a few things that I want to unpack. I think we were talking on your podcast about like think, thinking about the worst things that we think could happen to us and how we can deal with that. Yes, and I think um, having the experience of the worst thing that you could probably think of happening. Um, how did you deal with? the feelings around that. I mean, I know that you, it sounds like you were kind of just methodical about it and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go like write down what I love. But how did you deal with the the feelings and like the fear? Um, and I am skipping over so many moments of like utter desperation, screaming into the universe, uh, literally walking around Park Slope is, in Brooklyn is where I lived at the time. And I remember that night I walked, I was walking. It was so cold. It was 11 PM. I couldn't sleep. I was like, I'm going to go on a walk. Um, which like ladies don't do that at night. Um, but I was walking and I remember stopping in front of a flower shop and I had texted a coworker that I knew was looking for a nanny. And I was like, um, I want to talk to you tomorrow about the nanny job. And then I walked in front of a flower shop and it had a sign on it that said part-time help needed. And I wrote the number in my phone and I remember feeling so shitty about myself. I was so low. Neither one of those jobs is a bad job, but I was a marketing director who had eight years of experience. And all I thought I could do at that moment was all I felt like I deserved was to do these kind of like jobs that were cobbled together Mm -hmm. that were like not in anything that built into a dream. And the feeling of waking up the next morning and going, um, for myself, I need to delete this number out of my phone. I need to text this other person about the nanny job and saying, I actually don't want to be a nanny. I don't even really like kids. Like I had to do that. I had to feel the feelings of desperation to be able to come out of them. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this on my podcast um, as well, just like hitting your low. And sometimes the low is the leverage, yeah. you know, and, and it scoops you out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that shim you put between the tire and the mud. Um that gets you out of it. And so there was, there was an incredible amount of desperation in that and, and, and thoughts of failure. Um, I did sit down and think, okay, if this event planning business fails, what is the worst thing that happens? And I said to myself, um, and I remember even calling my mom, I said, if this thing fails, could I move home for a few months while I figure it out and make money there and just spend time living for free because the worst thing in my mind was not being able to pay my rent, um, not having a place to live. And I remember thinking in my head, 
I have a family that would take me in. And if my family didn't take me in, I have plenty of friends that in a pinch I could ask if I could sleep on their couch. Mm -hmm. It would be incredibly hard. It would be incredibly humbling. I would feel like shit about it, but I could live. Yeah. I could live. Right. Um, And so I think going through that worst case scenario was that – that leverage that I needed to move forward. And we were talking about this in my podcast, but just, but just, you know, if if you're out there listening and you're like, like I'm in the shit of it. It's like sometimes being in the shit of it is, is that has to happen. Yeah. And I think there are a few parts to that. I think like fear and desperation is a great motivator. It's a great place to start. It feels really shitty at the time, but it galvanizes you to, you know, take action, right? And I also think, like we were talking about in your podcast, like um, looking back, it never feels like it in the moment, but I'm sure anybody can look back on their life and see something that was really painful and really challenging that became one of the best things that happened or something good came from it. Totally. So. Do you feel like the things that you've been through have really helped you be better at this job? Completely. Yeah. And I was on a podcast the other day and somebody was asking me like, well, how do you get vulnerable and how do you decide what to share and what not to share? And like there are parts of my life that I'm private about. My husband, he's very private and my relationship and stuff like that. Um, I'm not like an oversharer, but when it comes to struggles and things that I'm dealing with and like the real shit, it was never even a question Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't share it because I feel like getting through that, I have a responsibility to use my experience for good, yeah. you know, not let it all have happened in vain. And, you know, I always say like being an alcoholic is the best thing that ever happened to me because it allowed me to connect with other people yeah, and, and feel a purpose and empathize. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think we can, you can have the same, you can have these emotions in one kind of breath. You can have the emotion of being like, that sucked. And that was the worst thing. And it was so hard. And I'm so like traumatized from that. And I'm so hurt from it. But then you can say, but that's, that is like the thing that gives me my power too. Mm-hmm. And like the, the crappiest things have also, you know, made me go, oh, oh, I understand people. I understand people more. Or, or if someone says I'm going through something, I'm like, oh, I've been through things too. And I feel that. And it kind of, it's this, it's this really painful bond that mm-hmm. you can have with the world, um, but it's the thing that makes you able to talk on a podcast, yeah, and to have an influence on people. And mm-hmm. um, and I think you're you're so spot on with that. You feel responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. So I want to um, talk about. So you started your Instagram account. What was your lifestyle like then? What was wellness to you at that point? So I had been through an interesting journey with wellness. So I had been very very. Um, quote unquote unhealthy kind of my, my mom was like fat free mom we all had a snack wells mom you know she was like a healthy choice frozen dinner energy mom she was that was her it was the 90s we were all trying our best um the food tasted really bad you know it was like very prepackaged low fat food and so that was my idea of health when I grow when I was growing up so as soon as I turned 16 and had a car I was like, F you mom, F you diet culture. I'm going the opposite way, which was do whatever you want all the time. Going to Chili's. Going to Chili's. <laughs> going to like – if you're from Texas, anyone out there, Whataburger. I was like at Whataburger 
like 3 a.m. most nights when I was like partying. I also went through a stage where I drank a lot. I partied a lot. I would never compare my experience to alcoholism, but definitely it was very reliant on alcohol to have like social interaction. It was, I was definitely a party girl. And so I, I did that from like basically age, I started drinking when I was 14. So 14 to like 25, that was a lot of my life was going out. I lived next to the Mexican border when I was in high school. And so we were in Mexico going to clubs every day, three days out of the week. Hard, hard like lifestyle. So that was my version of health um, through my teenage years and through college. It was a lot of drinking, a lot of access. I ended up gaining a lot of weight. I was like 225 pounds. I was definitely, I loved every pound of it. And I think that was the unique, unique experience that I had was I really did feel very confident in myself. I didn't actually know I was overweight um, or living an unhealthy lifestyle. I was having a really good time and it didn't hinder me. I had friends. I had love interests. I had sex. I had all of it. So um, when I moved to New York, I was actually at a baby shower with a guy friend and we made a bet. We were like, we're going to try to like, like eat healthy and like work out. I had never really worked out ever. So this was like 20, probably 20, oh, 2009, probably. And so I went to the library. There were libraries back then. I know there are still libraries, but most of us get our information online. But I went to the library and I checked out Arnold Schwarzenegger's book on bodybuilding. I love that. I, <laughs> I read this about you last night when I was yeah, like preparing so for this. And I was like, that's amazing. Like <laughs> it was this huge, huge ass book. It was like, it's giant. And I was like, I don't want to be a bodybuilder, but I want to learn how to lift weights because I'd seen my mom lift weights when I was younger. And I was like, that looks like something I could do. And I was like, I want to be a little bitch and just go running. I was like, I want to learn how to do something like, and I'm not saying people that run are little bitches. I had that okay. mentality. I had that mentality then. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to like use my brain for something. Mm. And so I loved learning about fitness. I loved learning about muscles. I loved learning about the science of the body. So that's how I would learn. So I would take pictures of pages and exercises and I would go to the gym and do them. I feel like that's very unique. <laughs> it was a really fucking weird part of time. I feel like of you life. made it really hard for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's like, honey, that's me. Like, how can you make this difficult and right. complicated? And so – I, you know, I remember at one one of the first works I ever did, I was like holding little like 2.5 pound weights or something. And I was just like, I will never get to the point of health. Like I was just like, this is so pointless. But I stuck with it. I stuck with it. I stuck with it. And um, I like really did transform my body, but I didn't mean to. I, I meant to transform my mind and that's what happened too. And so um, – I lost 70 pounds, but I think I lost 70 pounds because losing 70 pounds was never my goal. My goal was to be interested in something, mm-hmm. and I really was. Um, and then I kind of got into, you know, doing the fitness Instagram stuff. I found BBG, um, liked it at the time. Actually, I hated it at the time, and I liked that I was part of a community. Um, and then, you know, that was at the time when I was starting to, like, grow on Instagram and – I was at the skinniest I've ever been. I was at the smallest I've ever been. Most people would probably look at me and say I was like the healthiest I've ever been. And I was in like – I was at the darkest point of my life with my body. I hated what I was doing. I hated the workouts. I hated thinking about food this much. 
I hated the restriction. And I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I had the same experience when I was like counting macros and eating, you know, X amount of calories a day. And at the time, I thought that I was doing the right thing, right? I was like, oh, I'm... I'm planning out my food so I don't have to think about it so much and I'm just following this program and that's that's that and I don't have to obsess over it but when I was at my quote unquote goal body even though the goalpost keeps moving when that's sure. your when when the when the motivating factor of working out is to get a certain aesthetic I feel like you're never going to be satisfied no. you're always going to want more or less or whatever it is um but yeah, I had that experience too of being the most unhappy when I was at my probably most lean right. time. And I think that's important for people to hear because, I mean, we all – So wanna... many people think that when you get there, yeah. you're going to have this sense of relief. And unfortunately, the relief doesn't come with the body. Mm-hmm. The relief comes with your mindset changing and 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 and, and thinking about it all less. Like I, I – People ask me very frequently about like body positivity and things like that. And I always say like I'm actually not a fan of body positivity. I'm more of a fan of like body confidence and with confidence comes both negative and positive thought. Mm -hmm. You just think of it less. You're building yourself up in other ways. Like what the hell else are you interested in? At that time, I found myself obsessed with myself. I didn't have space for others. I didn't have space to care about other things. I was suffering socially. I was suffering in my work because it – like I remember, I remember like I would skip meetings because I was like I have to do two workouts today and like I don't have time for that meeting. And I'm like what the hell is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Not that you should obsess over work versus fitness but I was literally – it was all out of guilt. Right. It's never out of like – no, I just am feeling – like it, when you're in that <laughs> mindset, it's never like enjoyment. Right. Yeah, I don't know who wants to do a second workout for enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know there's like there's a few people that are that intense about working out, right. and, but but it's very few and far between, and it's not most of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said that um, confidence isn't a choice; it's a practice. What are some ways that you practice confidence? I think um, it's a daily. It's a daily. It's a daily opportunity. I'm not going to say it's a struggle because I don't want to frame it in that way. Um, For me, um, I I listened to this thing the other day and I can't even remember who said it, but I was like, yes, that's it. It is the willingness to do something. So it is a willingness. It's an openness. It's not about changing your mind about something like overnight. It's not a light switch. It's about a willingness to try and put yourself out there in a new way and a willingness to believe in yourself. And so, you know, people think confidence is I'm going to wear this skimpy dress and go to this thing and I'm going to pretend to be confident. That's my confidence. It's like, no, your willingness is to say, um, okay, what if I thought less about my body and what other people think of it today? And whether you wear the dress or you wear sweatpants, it's a mindset. It's about, um, am I willing to think less about this? Am I willing to, am I willing to try something new? Like I remember the first time I, I went rock climbing. Um, I know that's a weird thing to equate confidence to, but I was like, what if I can't do it? What if I look stupid? What if I, you know, what if I, um, 
look like a like the only person in the room that doesn't know how to do it and I don't know how to use the equipment. I was like, what if I just try? Like, yeah, what so- if I just open myself up to it? What happens then? Mm-hmm. And that's building confidence. That's the practice of confidence because, yes, I might be the only one that doesn't know. I might look stupid. I might not know what the things do. I might have to ask for help. But you are building toward co- being confident mm-hmm. by putting yourself in that situation. So how do you get yourself there? I think you have to start really small. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll, I'll give you a really small example, and I've used this on Instagram before. So I would always see people that would wear sports bras when they would work out. And I, I'm not. And confidence is not just about your body. It's, this is like about everything in life. But this is a very tactile example. I would always see people working out in sports bras. And even if I was like really, really in shape or fit at one point, I, I would never because I was like, first of all, that looks too showy. Second of all, um, I'm not that person. Third of all, I was like internally fat. Because I was like, my mindset was fat. My mindset was um, not healthy enough to do that. People are going to talk about me or think certain things about me. But then I also was like, I don't want to be a show off. And then you back away and you're like, literally nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody Everybody cares. is thinking about themselves, yeah. first of all. <laughs> nobody gives a shit about you and your sports bra. Right. Nobody will even notice. And so what I did one day was I I – was so hot. I was after it was after a workout. I was so hot. I was so sweaty. My my tank top was clinging to me. I was just like really uncomfortable. It was in the summer. I was just like, I'm I'm just stretching. But like, what would it be like to just take off my shirt while I'm stretching? What would that feel like? And I did it, and I stretched without a shirt on. And then I remember getting up and being like okay, that wasn't that bad and no, no one cared. And it, and I put my shirt back on and I walked out of the gym. And, and that was like that for that day, that was me practicing, mm-hmm. practicing little things. Um, and, and I think for a lot of people, they feel like they have to make this huge jump right away. I'm confident or I'm not. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't care who you are. I've had a like literally a Victoria's Secret Supermodel on my podcast and she struggles with this too. Mm-hmm. So like you're you're not alone. Right. Follow the account Celeb Face. You'll see that. <laughs> I every, love Celeb Face. Oh my God. It's if so you want to go down a deep dark hole, go down <laughs> Celeb Face. But just like you see how much even like the people that you see as confident struggle with their own confidence. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, if there's anything that you feel like you're coming up against it, you're you're like – walking into a social situation and you're like, oh, I don't know anyone. I'm going to – everyone's going to think I'm weird. Everybody knows each other. Like what does it look like? You don't have to go into the center of the room and like pull your top off. I don't know why that – I don't know why – you know, you don't have to be the life of the party. But what would it look like to stand on the edge, find another person that's standing there and just ask them something about themselves? Mm-hmm. Can you handle it? And then you realize that that little act, that is a step towards feeling more com- comfortable and confident in who you are. And that might feel like nothing, but it's huge. Yeah. And when you do that over and over and over again, little things add up. So it's so rewarding. Totally. Like this past year, I talk a lot about how at the beginning of the year, I was like, I'm going to walk through fear this year. Like I, mm. I was reflecting on 2018 and I was like, it was a good year. So many good things happened, but like I felt like I could see where fear was like holding me back in certain ways. And I decided to just 
walk through it. And it's like the more you do it, as with anything, the less daunting it is and the more you're comfortable with it. And What's one thing that you feel like in the last 12 months that you've – even if it's a small thing that you've like were fearful of or or had hesitation towards that you – have done or put yourself out there and that it's paid off? Um, The podcast. Yeah. 1,000%. I mean, I had a million reasons for why I shouldn't start a podcast. And it was something that I had wanted to do for like a year, but I didn't know how and I didn't know where to start and I didn't know what to talk about. And I didn't think I could guide conversations. And I was just fear, fear, fear. So many reasons not to do it. And finally, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to – like everybody sucks when they start. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a learning curve, right? Like with anything, and I'll never know if I never try. And it has been so rewarding because I've gotten to do this. And I – like, you know, working in social media or digitally can be really isolating. Yes. You do events and stuff. Um, and so there are ways to get out there. But a lot of the day-to-day work – it's alone. like, yeah, you're alone, you're behind a screen, and um, and I kind of get comfortable there, right? Like I'm I'm an extroverted introvert. I get my energy from being alone. So I can be – I can go through an entire day without having any human contact, and that's where I'm comfortable, but it's not what's best for me. Sure. Um, so, yeah, doing the podcast, I've met so many amazing people and created relationships and having like real conversations with people about real shit um, has been like the most rewarding thing. I don't know how you feel because you started this year too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite thing that I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I – to get kind of underneath what people are putting out there naturally themselves and to pull back the curtain a little bit and say um, – let's just have a conversation about who you are and, and what we're doing. And my podcast is more advice based and we answer reader, reader, reader advice needs, but, but you start to get to know someone through that. You get to know their experiences. And I think it's a real, it's what we need right now. You know, it's a scary thing to know one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause Cause we all have these facades that totally. we try to hide behind, especially with podcasting. Like you tend to, you know, interview or talk to people that um, are, you know, in their own right, whatever that world might be kind of known or mm-hmm. um, an expert or uh, someone that is influential or whatever. And and I think that's – that in and of itself is like a fearful thing. Yeah, completely. Do you think <laughs> Do you think that with, with kind of like challenging that fear of like the podcast, uh-huh. do you feel like you learn so many other things about yourself? Of course, yeah. yeah. I mean it – it has tentacles, right? So yeah. it affects every other aspect of my life. I found myself more comfortable in social situations. And, um, you know, like my husband is in entertainment. So I would find myself at these events with really accomplished people all the time. And that combined with being like kind of newly sober when we got together, it was very intimidating for sure. me. Um Something that I knew really early on is that people just want to talk about themselves anyway. So that's like my – whenever I go into one of those situations, <laughs> totally. I just ask people about themselves. Right. And like they, who cares? Like so there's nothing to be intimidated by. But I did find – and I got more comfortable with it over the years. But I found that by having the podcast and sitting down and having these conversations with people, like I feel more comfortable in the world. And I think it's because I know – like I believe in myself. Mm-hmm. But I also – like to your point before, like everybody is dealing with their own shit. And yeah. like same as you, like I'll have people on who are notable or, you know, 
experts in their field and whatever, but at the end of the day, we're all dealing with the same stuff. And it's so... It's so, comforting. It's comforting and it's amazing to me. Um, this I feel like this is kind of the theme of the podcast, but like when we talk about our struggles and other people talk about their struggles, those are the moments that define their lives and their character. And they're the things that they're most grateful for because it steers the direction. And I think it's just so important because we all try to avoid discomfort at every level, every opportunity that we can. We want to be comfortable. But like it's so cliche, but we don't grow in comfort zones. You know, do you do you do you find that or what I shouldn't assume that it's a podcast, but what about this job, whether it's podcasting or Instagram, um, feels the most uncomfortable but like has been good? The most rewarding. Yeah. Um, podcasting. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Instagram. I have a love hate relationship with Instagram. <laughs> I love it. Don't we all? Yeah. Literally I mean, if you do it for a living or just <laughs> are a user of it we all have a love hate yeah the thing that i love about it is connecting with other people yeah and then i've loved to have the opportunity to take that offline and meet people in real life um and you know kind of back to what we were saying before like using my experience for good and just getting to see how other people are impacted by it or how it helps somebody so there there are definitely um benefits to it but then there's also like the dark side of social media right Oh, yeah. So let's get into that. So let's talk about it. So you were doing your – you started a fitness account. How did it turn into something more? Um, At that point when I was at that that kind of really obsessive kind of like self-loathing part of my life, I I had a shift of my mind. I I was like, what am I doing? I've never felt so bad about my body. I've never been so questioning of my confidence. I – I've never been a person that had to pull others for like a temperature on who I was. Like it was such a strange thing because I was really having an out of out of body experience. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've got to reverse this. Like I've got to go back to way the way it was. And I didn't need to go back to the body that I had. I had to go back to the mindset that I had. So I was like, what what do I like about myself? What is what makes me me? Like I don't need to be like everybody else. And like what if, what about me is unique and and special and so I the reason I transitioned my account to like a lifestyle account is because I was like I care so much more about other things than fitness. Mm-hmm. To be honest, like fitness is like 10% of my day and my interest and there's a lot more. And I was finding myself seeing just like so much focus on like people's bodies that I was like, I can speak to people's bodies because this is clearly something that people want to talk about. But how can I do it in a helpful way that isn't just adding to a pile of um, kind of this like self-loathing behavior or or obsessive behavior? And so I was like, okay, so when how can I start talking more about the mind? How can I start talking more about other things? And I still talk about beauty and and things, but I was finding myself going, ooh, uh, what would people uh, – like I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to write this thing. I write long captions on Instagram. I'm like, I'm not going to write this thing because, you know, I'll lose people or people want to hear this from me. And, you know, honestly, I had to be like, fuck that. And every time I would be like, I don't want to write this thing or people won't respond well. I was like, that is a great indicator that I that is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing mm. because I'm having a visceral reaction to it. 
it's something that I want to do and I'm literally crafting what I want to do based on the opinions of others and that is not who I am. Mm -hmm. And so I had to kind of start going, okay, anything that I feel deep in my core, I'm going to share. If people don't like it and I lose people, that's okay. I still have that mentality. I do think by talking about more real shit, I have, I mean, I've had plenty of like growth and things like that, but I'm not focused on growing my Instagram account. Mm -hmm. I'm not growing a presence on Instagram. I am communicating things that I care about on a platform. And if that's, that makes people follow me or unfollow me, I don't care. Um, I'm not for everyone and that's all right. What do you attribute your growth to? On Instagram Mm -hmm. specifically? Yeah. Um, The more I told the truth about who I was and shared the discomfort of life, Mm -hmm. um, but actually uh, offered a way out or just offered my experience, I think that's how I grow. The most shared posts I have are when I'm just literally telling stories about how I feel. Mm -hmm. And I realized that stories are powerful, but the truth is the most powerful thing, even if it's ugly, Mm. Um, even if it's not what everybody wants to hear it's not the niceties of the world and it's not just like anything like it's not just I don't just get like bumps of people coming because I share negative things it's I share real things and they could be negative or positive like I remember I shared a story about when I moved into my my apartment that I live in now I moved into a two-bedroom apartment and um, I was single but dating at the time but just I was single Um, and everyone else in my building is either uh, married or married with kids or their roommates And, um, I was moving from a studio downstairs, upstairs, and everybody in my building kept asking me, um, when did y'all move in? When did y'all move in? And, um, I I was really, I was really hit by that because Mm -hmm. I was like, in this world, it's not possible for people to think I might be here by myself, Mm that I might be able to afford it, but also that I would be willing to do that on my own and that I would want to make a home um, for myself and myself alone. And I I had to wrestle with that. I had to wrestle with the fact that like so much of of the world's validation of people, particularly women, is who they're with um, and being partnered Mm -hmm. and that they couldn't possibly um, live a lush, full life without that. Right. And – you know, for, for a long time, not for a long, long time, but for a while I lived in that apartment alone and I would still get the, the same question. Who do you, like, who do you live with? Or, or, um, you know, they would ask questions about we, and I'm like, it was, it, at first I felt embarrassed. I was like, oh yeah, we moved in, in May and, you know, and I would hide the fact that I lived there alone. And then I was like, fuck that. I live in a two-bedroom apartment in New York City alone, and I'm fucking proud of that. And my second bedroom isn't for a baby or a <laughs> husband or another person. It is for my beauty supplies. And I'm going to say that, you know, and and being like, I yeah, my second bedroom is actually like beauty storage and a closet. <laughs> and, and people being like, oh, okay. You know, but, but there was so much weight in that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about – kind of these societal pressures that we feel as women and as people in general um, of of that your wholeness comes from togetherness. And I don't think that's necessarily true. And I, and I remember writing that and being like, people are not going to resonate with this. Like, I think this is like a very individual experience, but I shared it anyway. And it was like such a widely shared post, but it was also so people, so many people wrote me and they were like, I, I feel this to my core. Mm-hmm. I feel 
alone in my singleness. I feel like I'm not doing a good job of being a person because I'm alone. Right. And you know what? It's been a it's a, been a really beautiful thing to then also share my relationship now and someone moving into that. But ha- having just sharing like someone moving in and being partnered loses its luster when you don't share the other part of it. Right. Of that I was also happy before. Yeah. I was also fully content before. I loved my life before I, you know, met my long-term partner. Like, but if you don't share one or the other because you think that there's stigma surrounding one or both, Mm -hmm. the people don't have any perspective for – they don't – they can't share in your joy because they haven't been there before. Right. They haven't seen the spectrum of it. So I think, um, you know, any time that I feel like um, something doesn't matter, I'm like it, it truly does and I have to share it. Mm-hmm. I like that perspective. It can be hard. I mean, I, I'm curious how you deal with, like, I know for me, if I write a long Instagram caption and it's something really personal, like if I write about my recovery or trauma or something like that, and I put it out there and it falls flat, which has been happening sure. with Instagram. Um, people say it's the algorithm. I don't know whatever. Um, how do you deal with that? Because I know for me, it feels like I'm putting energy out there and it's like so much energy. And then to not have anything reciprocated, even though that's like a form of validation, I guess, but it's to like start a conversation. And when it doesn't happen, how do you, how do you deal with that? Can I ask you a question back first? (laughs) You tell them a podcaster too. Um, what do you think people what do you think people come to you for and what do you want people to come for you, to you for? And are they the same? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think because I kind of share like you about kind of more deep personal things. And then I also share about like what shoes sure. I'm wearing and like makeup and life. stuff. So I think that there are people who come to me and they and for that and then they see the deeper stuff and they're like, okay, I'm out. And then I think um, – the other the opposite happens i think people sure. come to me for more substance and then they see me posting about boots and they're like okay so anyway oh, guys, but- social media is hard <laughs> it's so hard it's hard to be yourself on social media and not yeah. have people judge you and the thing is like what i always try to remember when i'm putting things out there is everyone is coming from their own experience and their own trauma and their own mm-hmm. insecurity so um of course like when i share something and it doesn't resonate with people it's difficult but i would say more often than not even if people can't connect with it, I can um, – I, I sleep really well next to myself every night. Mm. You know, and I, mm-hmm. I always try to remember that of like, am I proud of this? Like if I died tomorrow and this was like kind of a, a, a diary of what I put out into the world, would I be proud of it? Mm-hmm. Would I say it was true? Would I say it was honest? Did I do my very fucking best to right. put out there something that mattered? And the thing is, it's like there have been times where I've lost people because I wasn't just posting workouts or mm-hmm. what I was eating or or about, oh, I got my workout in today. And I do still put some of that out there. But I realized that I lost people, but I gained so many more people that were there for the reasons that I wanted to be there. Yeah, like really engaged people who are yeah. there with you for the ride. Totally. Highs and lows. Yeah. And also some people are like, yeah, I love to know what skincare you're using, but I also really want to know like – your ideas on like vulnerability or trust or relationships or cheating or these things. And so I do think um, 
unfortunately, women particularly have we've we've really convinced ourselves that we're we're very very simple, and we're not. And I think uh, we're having a reckoning of that, especially on on social media, because um, you know you follow this person for this reason, you follow this person for this reason, and they kind of check your boxes. And sometimes it's hard when someone is both, mm-hmm. and that people don't know how to. People don't know how to suggest that sometimes, yeah. especially if you've over the years, and this is with me too, um, have begun to share more stuff that's right. hard or, or gritty. But but then people become attracted to that and new people come at, come for that. And, and, you know, people that aren't there for it or are triggered by it, like that's – I'm not offended if you need to go. Right. But I sleep very well next to myself every night and I'm sure you do too yeah. of saying um, – I'm doing this for the right reason and whether it I grow or more people hear it or not, um, if a post gets a thousand likes or if it gets 10,000, um, I liked what I had to say and I was honest mm-hmm. and I said what I wanted to and that is what this is about. Have you lost your likes yet? No, I haven't. Have Me you? either. I'm waiting. I'm like, yeah. come on. <laughs> I'm like, I want to post more videos of my dog. Yeah. <laughs> Can you take these likes away? That'd be great. No, I mean, I, I like don't care about that. Yeah. I, I I'm, I think the thing I get sensitive about is if no one sees it. If I see that no That's one – the thing, yeah. yeah. If you see the reach – if you guys don't know, there's like metrics on the back of Instagram. You can see how many people actually saw your post. It's a fucking bummer when people <laughs> don't see it. If you see it and you hate it, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Great. Like right. praise be. Yeah. You saw it. But when you make something and no one sees it mm-hmm. and you wrote it f- for them, you know, it's kind of a bummer. But you know, we all, these are like very small problems in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> we have so, good lives. So how has, um, how has having a career on social media and outside of social media, you're a speaker, you're an entrepreneur, you're out there, you're a podcaster. Um, how has that affected or not affected your anxiety? Um, uh, I think it actually has really helped it because I'm able to talk about it and be open about my struggles with mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and that connects you to people. And I think, um, saying as like a Virgo, someone that always had to be, I had a kind of moments of really tough parts growing up, um, that I had to be okay a lot. And I had to be, um, really self-sufficient a lot. I was an only child. My dad, was kind of not in the picture much um, and was raised by a single mom who was just trying to, trying to do her best. But we had a contentious relationship like most people do with their moms um, whenever I was a teenager. But I think um, I always had to be together, you know. And so finally doing the – I remember talking for the first time on Instagram about um, that I was suffering from – a. I, I don't still suffer from it all the time, but I I had a brief time where I was on medication and had panic disorder and talking about it, writing that down was like the hardest thing ever um, because I was like, I look like I don't have my shit together. I look like something's wrong with me. And I was like, that's exactly why I need to write this. And now I talk about mental health so much. Um, I talk about anxiety a lot and the thing I've realized is social media can amplify your anxiety if your anxiety is hidden and it's a private struggle and it can really make you feel more comforted when it's not. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like the beautiful thing about therapy too is like being silent in the things that you think about and you're in your own head makes dealing with life very hard. Yeah. But if you can afford to and, and you can talk to someone else about it and let someone else in on your shit. 
Yeah. It makes everything so much so much more manageable. Like it doesn't make it easier, but it makes it more manageable and you also feel like you're um you're not alone. Right. You know, and so I think social media has its own set of anxiety producing things. Um but I think overall with my journey of mental health it really does really has actually helped me. Yeah, I've had the same exact experience and I think we're talking about like getting through fear and doing podcasts and connecting with other people and talking about our struggles on social media but for people who don't have that platform or or that option, I think the underlying theme is like honesty, yeah. openness and community, yeah. right? It's amazing what can happen if you just share what you're what you're going through even mm-hmm. if it's not like on social media it's just like a friend or yeah whatever i remember when i was first talking about anxiety i mental health has become a very trendy thing to talk about and i'm very happy for that like i hope it's a trend that doesn't go away but i remember um talking about therapy with someone for the first time that i was going and they were like oh my god Thank you for saying that. I've been in therapy my whole life and I've never wanted to tell anyone because I thought it made me look really crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have this stigma around yeah. it still. Yeah. And so That's I think crazy. just like the, the sharing of that has been very powerful. Mm-hmm. And I and I hope for more of that. And I would encourage you if you're listening to this and you're like, I feel really um, alone. I assure you, you're not. Like even if it's not someone on, on Instagram, it's someone in your life. Like someone you know that you've talked to in the last week is going through the same shit you are. I yeah. can guarantee you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of curious. What's if you don't mind saying? What's the hardest thing that you've gone through that has been the most rewarding? Would it be that experience of getting fired? Yeah, I think professionally. I think um, I went through a pretty like rough time with my dad, and he kind of popped out of my life unexpectedly for. A period of time and um it was really hard because I just didn't understand it and I felt really worthless and and it guided how I saw a lot of relationships and you know it it was extremely painful and I was going through that pain very alone and so coming on the other side of that and working through it and learning a lot about myself and about forgiveness and about um understanding trauma and how it can actually be used to make your life better, um, that was probably the most difficult and the most rewarding because um, it injected empathy, it injected understanding, it injected um, that there's good on the other side of bad. And and when you know that can happen, I'm sure you feel like this with recovery, when you understand and you see and you can look back and say, there was such good on the other side of that shit. Like behind door number one is something good. Mm-hmm. Um, not easy, but good. It, it It is – I'm so thankful that there is struggle in life even if it's not fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I am 1,000% with you. Yeah. Do you find um, – so just like going back to social media, do you find that um, it gets to you? Like I, I don't get a ton of like negativity, I think, p- because I'm a little self-deprecating. And also like I – you know, I I think certain people get it worse. Mm-hmm. I, I know certain people just I, – I know a couple of my friends that just get it really bad. 
Um, how do you like process that? Or how, I mean, not that you get it bad, but how do you deal with it? Like, is it, is that anxiety producing? It's gotta be. Uh, not so much. So I don't, I actually don't get it really badly. Okay, good. Um, I have like Fox, my husband said something about Sarah Sanders when she was the press secretary. Right. <laughs> that was not nice. He's very outspoken sure. politically. And they ran it on Fox News and they put a link to my Instagram and was like, here's his here's his wife oh, that's half fun. his age. Yeah. So it's like giving red meat to whatever. Oh, God. So I got all – one day I was just inundated with the most disgusting things you could ever imagine. That was hard because it was all at once and yeah. it was like really intense. And the hardest part though was that people around me were like, well, just don't read it. And I was like, how am I the one that's wrong here? Right, right. <laughs> it's not that's that like, easy. It's like telling a woman that gets sexually assaulted, like you shouldn't have been wearing that right, skirt. Right, exactly. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So that was really hard. But for the most part, like the snarky comments that I'll get will either be about like my lifestyle, again, which I really don't, I don't flaunt anything on Instagram. Or about my husband and his age. And I'm like, come on, you can do better than that. That's like low-hanging right. fruit. Um, so, you know, I really – I was really able to detach myself from Instagram a lot this year. It kind of – I got to a point, like just like I got to a point with my drinking and using where I got so uncomfortable that I had to make a change. Sure. And that's what I have to do. That's what happened with my gut health. It got so bad that I had to change certain things in my lifestyle. Um so, you know, I was really able to detach from, like, metrics mm -hmm. and detach from um, kind of the return, like I was talking about earlier. And my husband helped a lot, too, because I got really in the weeds. And he was like, why did you start this account? Like, go back to that and, yeah. like, wake up every day and think, like, how can I help even one person today? And if you make that your guide, like, the rest will fall into place. And that's exactly what has happened. And then, like, in terms of trolls – and just assholes on the internet like I know that if you're saying something mean to a stranger on the internet you're not in a good place and it's not so you know it says more about the person than it does about me sure. and if I respond sometimes I'll like clap back occasionally if oh it's yeah me too I someone... love it oh my yeah. god but if it's someone who I'm like ooh, this person is like really probably hurting I'll like you know try to give them kindness back or I just ignore it yeah. um, and I just kind of move on. So it used to really get to me. I would get like that gut feeling in my sure. stomach and now I'm like it, it's not doesn't it depends. affect you as deeply. I think it, it depends also, on also like where you're at in right. your like day Right. Like if I'm super life. spiritual and meditating twice a day and I'm like doing – like helping people and I'm feeling good, it's not going to affect me. I'm like unflappable, right? But if there's shit going on, then it kind I think of that's kind of what we were talking about. The confidence thing is like mm -hmm. when you are building yourself up internally, you're not dealing with, you know, I can't remember again if this is on my podcast or your podcast. <laughs> we've been recording these back to back. You'll have to listen to both. Yes. But basically, you know, like when you feel filled up, like things don't affect you so deeply that, mm -hmm. you know, you don't, you're not comparing yourself to others. You're not, you know, kind of like questioning yourself constantly. It's like you feel, you feel filled um, and I think that's the same, like like you're saying about about kind of like something something harmful or hurtful. It, it doesn't penetrate as hard, right? Yeah, I kind of visualize it as like a boat on the ocean or something, and like the waves just don't. It's not as turbulent. If I'm doing X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. to fill myself up and make myself feel whole, mm -hmm. and so what are um, what do you do to fill yourself up? I'm an extrovert. 
Um, so definitely spending time with people, like quality, quality time. I'm like an extrovert that loves to be in the center of a big group of people, but I also, that is actually not how I get energy. I get energy from the one-on-one time with others. And so, um, I've tried to be really good at and really intentional about putting that into my life and schedule and, and not compromising on it. Really going, okay, um, how do I spend more time with people that matter to me. Um, not the quantity of people, but the quality of the people. Um, I also, I have a really great partner who I is my best friend and we really do prioritize our time. And, and then I also like to be by myself a lot, you know, and I think, um, that's okay. Uh, you know, I think, I think people are very shy about alone time. Or like oh, yeah. being in the quiet of your own mind is like a terrifying thing, but I kind of welcome it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not an introvert and I don't get energy from being alone, but I need it. It's mm-hmm. kind of like you, you know, you're the opposite of me. You're like yeah. the introverted or you're the extroverted introvert and I'm the introverted extrovert. Right. <laughs> so I think, um, I think also doing some personality tests and realizing what I actually needed mm-hmm. and what actually fills me up and doing like, instead of doing like a food diary, do a like emotional diary of like, what did I do today and how did I feel? Did I have more energy or less energy after doing it? Like I recorded a podcast today. Did I end that hour with more energy or less energy than I came? Okay. I spent time with this person. I also did a big relational inventory of people in my life. And I would, this is a practice for anyone listening, get a piece of paper, not your phone, get a piece of paper. And, um, Start writing down all the people that you really love spending time with who really make you feel um, – you leave feeling better. And just write them down quickly. Don't don't spend a lot of time. Give yourself like two minutes. Write them down. Um, you will forget people and that's part of the – that's part of the exercise. <laughs> then take time to look over those people and be like, who are the people that I feel like I forgot but did you really forget them? Or are they people that actually don't feed you, but they're should people? I should love them. I should mm-hmm. have them in my life. Analyze it. Mm-hmm. Did you did you really forget them, or or are they actually not people that feed you? Because I can guarantee that the list of people that do feed you will come quickly. And so, doing that relational inventory for me has been very helpful in rationing out my time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I want to get into um, a couple listener questions sure. and. To that point, this is why I kind of thought of it. Um, somebody asked, how did you find the one in New York City? Um, so we met on Tinder, very romantic story. Um, I wrote, I we basically made a date. I canceled it. He was like, okay, how about this day? And I was like, this guy cannot. He's not going to like leave me alone. <laughs> so I literally was like, I'll go out for one drink with this guy. And... I have dated all of New York City. Let me tell you that. <laughs> um, so people are always like, how'd you find the one? And I think it's because I dated everyone else. <laughs> you know, like I, I finished. Process all of, them. of I got, elimination. Yeah, I got to the end and uh, he was the only one left. No, um, I think um, there is something to that though. I did put myself out there a lot. I've had long-term relationships. I've had lots of short-term relationships. I've dated. I've been – loved being – I loved being single. I really did. And I was un – uncompromising in um, who that person was going to be in my Mm -hmm. life. And obviously I've had other long-term relationships, but this was the one that we really were like, I was like, holy shit, this is like, 
I think the person I'm going to end up with. Um, I don't, obviously we don't know the future. We don't know what will happen, but I think feeling comfortable in my singleness helped me feel comfortable in being sure about someone. Totally. And like loving it, like not, yeah. not being like, oh, I'm single, but being like, oh, I'm single. This is like an opportunity for me to meet people and broaden my horizons and put myself out there, but also enjoy my alone time, enjoy doing things, you know, that I like to do. Fill yourself up with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think often singleness gets so, it's such a naughty word. Yeah. And it's like people, people legit, like my friends would tell Craig, my boyfriend now, they're like. She loved her life. <laughs> like she was not out there hunting for the one. Right. She was just out there having a really fun time and you happened to come along. And but I, I think, think that's, that's how – yeah, I think that's how it happens yeah. too. Like oh, yeah. I found – I loved being single too, mm-hmm. especially because I am an extroverted introvert. I loved having my own place, being able – not having to answer to anybody. Like it's so good. doing whatever I wanted, wherever I wanted, with whoever I wanted. I mean just the freedom and the independence of that. And I was – like I feel like water seeks its own level, right? So when you get to that point where you're like happy with yourself and you're full and fulfilled, you're not looking for anybody to fill anything and you're like thriving, that's when like you find your match. Yes, absolutely. And I also think um, it helps you appreciate like I used to love how much alone time I had at home. I love that I could do whatever I wanted no matter how weird it was mm-hmm. at home and you're just like – SSB. Oh, Did yeah. you watch Secret single City? behavior. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. I'm like you can eat whatever you want yeah. over the sink. Yeah. You can – like eat your weird combinations. You can lay on the couch naked and watch terrible TV. Like you can spend that secret Sunday fully in bed and not yeah. tell anyone that you didn't like do anything. Like there's all these fun things. You can go and come as you please. But then I think um, the the beauty of it was whenever now that I'm partnered and I have someone that lives with me and I see him all the time and we spend a ton of time together, it makes me appreciate that I can feel like I still have myself and – how I how I feel about myself hasn't changed mm-hmm. just because someone else is right. around more, you know, and that and that I can feel I feel freedom in that. I'm like, it doesn't feel like I'm chained down and have to have secret behavior. It's like I can do my weird secret things around someone else. Yeah. And it's fine. And I think it helps you realize that. Yeah. And that's the best feeling when you find the person that you can do your SSB. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, we'll do one more and this sure. is kind of on the relationship thing a little bit. Um, how do you not get self-conscious during sex? Um, I've never felt self-conscious during sex. Um, but I think for a long time I have – I was feeling like sex was about a man's pleasure and not my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of answer – that's not her question, but I will answer that question <laughs> because I really never felt – like I said, even when I was a bigger – I never felt self-conscious about my body, really. Mm-hmm. I was always like a sex with the lights on person. I I, I felt sexy, so right. I, I exhibited that. But um, I think if you don't, start working on how you feel, again, confident in your own life mm-hmm. um, outside of the bedroom, and that will overflow. Plus, I think if you're with the right person, you don't think about it. Right. Like you can be like scummy, morning breath, disgusting, hair is all messed up and have sex and it's perfectly like just as sexy as lingerie time, like tits up and out, you know, whatever. (laughs) But I will say that um, I did focus my sexual life mostly on other people's pleasure for the majority of my sex life. Mm -hmm. And you become a 
provider of pleasure rather than experiencing it. I think a lot of people, particularly women, go through this. Mm-hmm. I mean, hello, we invented faking orgasms. Like, you know, <laughs> like that was my world for a long time. And isn't it when you actually think about it, isn't it crazy that that's actually a thing? Yes. <laughs> it's because a guy never has to right. fake. He can't fake it. It's, yeah. either it's happened or it hasn't. I said to my husband once, I was like, did you ever fake it? And he was like, no. He's like, literally not possible yeah. for me. Um, also, like. Like, it's so high, absurd. High differences between right. men and women. Um, but. I will say that um, when I started to change my view on that and started going like, okay, um, sex is for both of our pleasure, not just mine and I mean, not just his, I was able to change my sex life and I did feel more comfortable because mm. it wasn't performative. It was pleasurable. Right. And I think that's a lot of the the hairy territory we get into is number one, women are afraid to a lot of times ask for what we want. We're um, afraid to have opinions or desires because we are afraid that we'll get rejected for them um, or that someone might think they're weird or too much or that our bodies won't be acceptable or our smells or our tastes or whatever. It's like I remember I used to like before sex like like this may be TMI like go fucking wash my vagina or like wipe it with certain things and be like uh like it smell like yeah. flowers I'm like your fucking <laughs> vagina doesn't even smell like a lavender patch right. like it's just a vagina and like literally they don't care they don't it's care be the name of this podcast episode <laughs> and literally they won't wash their balls they won't wash them they'll smell weird everybody knows what balls smell like if you're not a person that in- interacts with balls often consider yourself lucky but they all have a smell um, they're a special flower and they will not do anything to make them smell better if their sex is on the table. It's right. just, it's going to happen. They're not going to like not have sex because of that. So once I got over the thought of constantly like framing it into what someone else might think about it, that is the part that made me more mm-hmm. confident and also being able to ask for what you want. And I think that's in life, not just sex. Um, the, the feeling of feeling the power to be able to ask for what you want and receive it, that builds confidence. Mm. That builds um, a level of strength in yourself. Um, and and everyone has the power to say no. Everyone has the power to say, I don't want to do that. And, and um, you know, even in sexual situations that I'd been in, I w- you know, I remember one time I wasn't feeling comfortable. I, I just wasn't down with what was happening. And I remember – Flashing back to my younger years and going, I would have just let it happen right. and just been like, just let it be over and I'll process that on my own. And um, like, this is not comfortable for me and this is not pleasurable. This hurts and I don't like this. And um, in that moment, feeling so in my own body and in my own mind that I was like, I actually don't feel comfortable with this and I want to stop. And like being able to say that mm. – in a, in a situation that feels really vulnerable, I was like, that is the most growth, like, that I could possibly have. Yeah. It's like, I don't like this. This doesn't feel pleasurable and I want to stop. Um, it's like being completely honest yes. with yourself and true to yourself. Yes. Like honoring that. And and not giving a shit what someone else yeah. thinks. And that, to me, um, again, like we were talking about practicing confidence, you can practice that in the bedroom, too, of mm-hmm. saying, um, would you be willing to try this? vulnerable right um i actually am feeling really kind of insecure about my body right now um and i'm just trying to be open with you about that Mm -hmm. that's an example 
hey, I, I, um, I actually don't like when you do this and it actually doesn't feel good. Can I show you another way that might feel better? Mm-hmm. These are all things, very scary, but they're like small ways to build confidence in the bedroom. So, um, And again, it's like, what's the worst thing that could yeah. happen? And, it, and, if, and if you're with someone that like freaks out. Yeah, when goodbye. You, <laughs> hey, saved yourself a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I saw cut said my vagina was not not a lavender patch. <laughs> we're all friends here you're like and that's all we have time for (laughs) on that note (laughs) well it is all we have time for but not because of that (laughs) um okay so what is next for you what do you have going on um, we're just continuing to build. I'm, I'm wanting to do more creative projects this year, have more guests on, just have better conversations. And, um, yeah, I'm so excited for Instagram likes to go away. Yes. I'm excited to be putting out more content and, um, I want to do a, a live podcast tour this year. And, um, I also am doing a political project, um, this year, which I'm really excited about to encourage people to get involved in the political process, whatever side they fall on, but encouraging them to, Take ownership of what's happening in the world. Mm, We need that right now. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Where can everybody find you? Um, You can find me most places at Shanae Alexander. It's C-H-I-N-A-E Alexander, the way it's been spelled for all of time. Um, And uh, my podcast is called Press Send. Um, You got to listen to our episode together. You got to do double duty, guys, because some of this stuff probably didn't make sense because we were referencing the other episode. (laughs) So it's called Press Send. We take listener questions that they're going through in their own life, and I answer it with a cool guest. So check it, check us out. Yes, check us out. If you didn't listen to that yet, go listen to it now. And it's such an amazing podcast. Everything you're doing is so amazing. You're just – you can tell that you're just so – like you've settled into – Thank you. So you well. And you have so much to offer. So everyone go follow Shanae. Yes. I'm sure you already are. Well, and- we'll see. And uh, more, more together soon. Yes. Love to do more. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you.